What does motion sound like? With Kizik Hands Free Shoes, it sounds a little something like this. Experience the magic of motion. Get a free pair of socks with your first order at kizik.com slash socks. This is Husker Online, your authority on Nebraska athletics. In this weekly show, the Husker Online team will give you the latest insight on Husker football, basketball, baseball, and of course, recruiting. Now, here's your host, Husker Online publisher, Sean Callahan. Hello and welcome here to another edition of the Husker Online Show. Hope everybody had a Merry Christmas and Happy Holidays as final show of the year for Husker Online. Uh, obviously, we'll be back in full force next year. Sean Callahan, Robin Washett, uh, taking you through probably the least productive work week of the year, Robin. Yeah, it's got to be. Pretty much December 15th on. I mean, people just kind of shut her down. Yeah, normally. And not us, so not us. Well, yeah, well, even this week, like, there's no basketball. You know, the, the football movement, you know, has kind of come to a uh, temporary pause. And so it's just kind of been, uh, you know, scratching the bottom of the barrel for, for content over the last week or so. Yeah, and, you know, for Nebraska, I, I still think there's questions, obviously, with the coaching staff. And that's what we're going to start off opening headlines with. Um, you know, for you, you look at the coaching staff situation right now, um, nothing official yet from coach frost and i i think what's holding it up is they they want to do it all in one shot they don't want to have this one then that one and then that one so uh this is what we pretty much know is going to happen mike dawson is going to move down and become the defensive front coach mm-hmm. and he'll handle the three defensive linemen and then the boundary outside linebacker and for our not so football educated listeners the boundary it's kind of the heavier, like short side of the field, outside linebacker. Basically the, the Garrett Nelson, Feldarius Payne, Caleb Tanner. And then the field is what JoJo Doman played. Right. And that means you cover, like Cam Taylor Britt was the field corner. JoJo Doman, usually you're more kind of athletic guys that can run, play the field. So Dawson, in, a, in essence, would coach the boundary outside linebackers. Then Bill Bush um, that leads us to where he'll come into play. Uh, Bill Bush will then take over as special teams coordinator and then become essentially an assistant secondary coach handling the nickels or the the field outside linebacker position. Okay. So that's kind of where we're at. And, you know, you don't ever want to see guys leave, but Tony Tuioti um, had never been anywhere longer really than two years. This was a job, the, other than Hawaii, where he's from, Nebraska was the only job that Tony Tuioti had been at you know, this long and the Oregon opportunity came his way. Um, they, they had kind of a lead Polynesian recruiter that's going to follow Mario Cristobal to Oregon. And, you know, that's a place with an unbelievable tradition of recruiting Polynesian players. So I don't think anybody can fault him. And I'm sure his pay, which is about 400,000 at Nebraska, is going to get boosted up into the 500,000. So it's a win for him. And I do think it now at least makes this staff shuffle. A little bit easier. Yeah, and with, with Tuioti, I mean, I think what you're losing is a great developer. Um, the way that the, the job that he did with some of those young defensive linemen, Ty Robinson, uh, Casey Rogers, and those types in just a short amount of time, I think spoke to his ability to, um, you know, maximize player development. But, uh, and I know, Sean, you pointed this out on the board before, on the recruiting front, 
there wasn't a lot to, to speak of there. So, you know, it's not like they're losing this, this ace recruiter that, you know, had all of a sudden rebuilt the entire defensive line. The guys he was working with were Mike Dawson recruits for the most part. Casey Rogers, East Coast, Northeastern kid that Mike Dawson brought here. Ty Robinson, Mike Dawson was the lead recruiter. Um, Damian Daniels, that was a Mike Riley recruit. So you, you can kind of go down the line and, um, you know, there actually really wasn't an impactful player yet in these three years that Tuioti brought. Now, with that said, I think we all can agree he did an outstanding job mm -hmm. of getting those guys to play. I thought last year, the 2020 season, is really where you saw his work because they had lost uh, Darian Daniels, they had lost Khalil, they had lost Carlos yeah. Davis, and you're like, man, the defensive line is going to take a massive drop-off. And then they go out in that first game of the year against Ohio State – and they sacked Justin Fields more than anybody sacked the guy all year. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and so, I mean, that's that's what you're losing. But at the same time, uh, Mike Dawson is a heck of a developer, too. Uh, and I remember... Look at he did the outside linebackers. Exactly. I mean, you can point to that right now for a recent uh, example of uh, how quickly he can improve a position group uh, when he takes over. But what, what I remember is, was he for one season, 2018? One season. Then he went to your beloved Giants. That's right. He did all right. I mean, he uh, he actually, <laughs> there weren't a lot of strengths on those teams, but uh, the outside linebacker play, defensive line, was was one of them. Well, then they bought, he, he came back, and then Bill McGovern came back to be his analyst mm -hmm. uh, for the one year last year, the 2020 season. And then McGovern now went to the Bears. I think McGovern was the Bears inside linebackers coach this year. Uh, but, yeah, I thought Dawson coming back with McGovern, they did a good job of kind of retooling that scheme mm -hmm. uh, for Eric Chenander and, and building it for this conference. Because mm -hmm. I think that's been part of the adjustment for the defensive side of the ball too is building this roster to play Big Ten defense because mm -hmm. it's a different kind of defense. You, you you know, I watched West Virginia, Minnesota the other night the other, in the bowl game, and Big Ten dudes look different than Big Twelve guys. Well, I think they said that the biggest lineman on West Virginia's defense was 280 pounds, and their average linebacker weight was like just under 220. And so, I mean, like, look at the linebackers and defensive linemen in the Big Ten compared to that. It's yeah. a different type of player. Well, and Minnesota had an offensive line that is going to have 400 pound dude on their offensive they're, line. They're they're saying like four, if not all five of those guys will get drafted. It wouldn't surprise me. And those two running backs. There's a reason every running back they lost five scholarship running backs. Every one of them was good because of that offensive. Yeah, line. I mean Kai Thomas from Topeka, Kansas. Two freshmen that just stepped in and all of a sudden lit it up. Well, Kai, like Kai Thomas is from Topeka, Kansas. Never had a Nebraska offer, mm -hmm. and you know I watched him and, and they. You turn that guy into a 150-yard guy a couple times this year. Just goes to show you that uh, great offensive list. lines can make great running backs very quickly. So let's go on to the next topic, Ah, running backs. <laughs> so what will Nebraska do, Robin, at running backs? This week they were definitely in the process of interviewing and talking to people. I know everybody wants the news now, you know, and they want to know who it's going to be. The beauty is there's a little bit of time still. January 14th is the first day coaches can go back out on the road. Classes at UNL resume on the 18th. So this doesn't have to be done you know, right now. I, I think Scott Frost has a good week to probably sort this through. Um, I would think they're going to hire a minority candidate um, at the running back spot. Um, I, I do think there's probably room to bring in one more back to this roster. So who, whoever you bring in, could he bring a guy with him, and could that play a factor? I know the name Kevin Falk from LSU has been mentioned. Been told that he doesn't, he's going to sit the year out probably more than likely. 
um, tragically lost his daughter, mm. a 19 year old daughter this year in September. And I, th- I think Falk is going to stay back in Louisiana. So I don't think he's a candidate. You've heard Greg Knox from Florida, as somebody mentioned. And I think that was pre Toyota leaving because um, Knox was a special teams coach and a running backs coach. Mm. Um, so there's a couple of things there with him to watch. Great coach for Florida. Um, but I would tend to think Nebraska tries to hire a minority coach, um, which is pretty common in college football. Um to have an African-American running backs coach, African-American receivers coach. Nebraska had not had that before. Um, so especially, I mean, at the Power 5 level, that's pretty rare um, mm-hmm. to, to not have, um, you know, minority coaches in those positions. So um, I, I would guess that's the direction it goes, and I think it's going to move within a week or so. Okay. So you think that that's probably the big holdup there is once they fi- figure out the then running back situation. Then it'll be just one sweeping release. One big press release. Yeah, I, I think it – and I know Nebraska's thought is it kind of looks sloppy if you just do one, one, one. I mean, like, you kind of want to do all the news at once and, and be done with it. You don't want to have a different press release on Wednesday than a new one on Monday. And so – you know, Frost and his guys are meeting with running backs coaches, and we'll kind of see where all this goes. So, I mean, obviously with, with running backs coaches, somebody with some recruiting chops. And do you think it's necessarily someone that has a direct connection to a, a transfer running back? Do you think how much um, does that play into the cards here? I think Mark Whipple is going to play in the cards. I think Mark Whipple, who has been coaching football for 40 years, has probably a few names too. And mm-hmm. I think that's one of the real valuable things to bring a guy like Mark Whipple, let's let's just call it what it is. I mean, the previous guys Frost had didn't have those kind of contacts. Mark Whipple knows everybody, yep. <laughs> and he knows people that know people. He'll tell you everybody he knows too. That was like, funny. I I go back to like when Frank Solage needed to hire a defensive coordinator in O two. What did he do? He called his good buddy Monty Kiffin. Mm-hmm. What did Monty Kiffin do? He called up Pete Carroll, and Pete Carroll told Monty, "I know this great young guy. I think he's made for the college game. His name's Bo Pelini. He's with the Green Bay Packers, and, and that's how this stuff typically works." So, my guess is they're they're kind of going through names, and I'm sure a guy like Whipple's like, "Let me call this guy because he might know a guy." And then that guy, and so I wouldn't be surprised if this is a name that is completely new to Husker fans, and um, I do think Whipple will have an impact on it. Yeah, and again, that's that's the value of having uh, someone that's got forty years of coaching experience under his belt and literally knows the best of the best in college football and professional football. All right. Well, when we come back, big thing on people's mind is quarterbacks, Robin. Mm-hmm. Let's talk some transfer portal quarterbacks. You're listening here to the Husker Online Show. Hi, it's Sean Callahan with Husker Online. We all have smartphones and we all know they're pretty amazing, but they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right. A company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones and see what we find. Learn more at uscellular.com slash built for us. You're listening to HuskerOnline.com, your authority on Nebraska athletics. And welcome back here to the Husker Online Show, this final edition of 2021. Sean Callahan, Robin Washett, a segment of the Husker Online Show brought to you by Tanner Sports Bar and Grill, 30th and Yankee Hill Road. If you want to get in, Robin, watch the college football playoff games, NFL Sunday, get on into Tanner Sports Bar and Grill. You're kind of to the point now where you know, you're, you, you've you been home a lot for the holidays. You're like, we got to get out of the house. I'm tired of my cooking. I'm tired of you know my TV. 
I'm tired of my beer. I want, I want to go in somewhere and eat good wings, watch football, have a cold beer. Get in Tanner Sports Bar, 30th and Yankee Hill Road. It is your premier sports watching venue in Lincoln. You can play Keno, order great wings. You a big Keno player, Robin? Uh, I've been known to dabble from time to time. I don't get like way into the games like the the most I'll do is like quarter mania, which is you're not one of those dudes that puts like twenty bucks a game down. Yeah, I, I know people that do like top half, bottom half, that sort of thing. Like I, I don't do any. Yeah, you're not stuff. in there to lose two hundred bucks. Yeah, basically, I'm like I'll do like a, a pick one or pick two and just let it ride. Let it ride. Yep. <laughs> well, get on into Tanner's, play Kino. Um, it's our spot, Robin and I, and they've been a title sponsor here on the show for many many years. Thirtieth uh, and Yankee Hill Road. Well, Robin, let's talk transfer portal quarterbacks and you know things have kind of hit a wall I mean the, the cliff notes version is Nebraska wanted um, Hainer from Fresno State and he chose to stay because of a technicality where he would have been a two-time transfer and it wasn't a guarantee then they wanted Miles Brennan from LSU they had an in there with Mickey Joseph and Bill Bush uh, but then Brian Kelly told you know him that hey you know what probably pretty good chance you'd be my starter next year so He's staying put, rightfully so, at LSU. Then they moved on to Keaton Slovis, and I, I think it felt promising there. Then we learned that he had a girlfriend that played soccer at Pitt. Mm. Those soccer girlfriends playing an impact on the transfer portal this year. I've heard that story before. And she, um, you know, he's going to play for Pitt, and Pitt does have a good receiver coming back, and um, you know he, he'll be their guy. So in the meantime, Nebraska has made what we know of as one public offer. And, and what we've learned about the portal is guys don't typically showcase their offers. Right. You're the, not going to get a top five list or anything. The from dudes, portal guys. Yeah. Like the lower profile guys might do it, but the high profile portal guys, they make their announcement, they're transferring and then they like shut her down until they announce where they're going. Well, Nebraska got a public offer confirmation from Chubba Purdy, um, Arizona product four years to play four, played at Florida state was originally a Louisville commit, switched to Florida State to play for Mike Norvell as his hand-picked guy, broke his collarbone his freshman year, came back and played a few games in 2020. In 2021, saw action in one game, and they were going to rely on Chubba Purdy to play down the stretch. He was probably going to play more than five games or four games. So he put his name in the portal and was done with it. I think he knew that he didn't want to be at Florida State any longer, and left with four games remaining in the season um, versus like playing it out and probably burning his red shirt. So Nebraska makes an offer to the four for four Chubba Purdy. I think the question is, would he be one of two guys that Nebraska could take? Cause I don't look at Purdy as maybe a guy that you're like, all right, this guy's ready to be the starter at Nebraska. I mean, I, th I think he's essentially a better version of Logan Smothers in terms of arm strength and some of his, size to play the quarterback position in this offense yeah I mean he was a former four-star just like Logan's mothers and uh was it I think the number eight quarterback in the country uh coming out of high school so I mean he's he's got some recruiting clout to him but you know he's one of those guys that has yet to prove himself at the collegiate level and a lot of that is not his fault I mean broken collarbone uh, kind of derailed his entire progression. So, you know, where is he coming off that injury? How close? Well, is that was he? a 2020 injury. So he, he, he was back this year playing. Oh, like 2021. He got in the UMass game. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And oh. then in, against Clemson, you know, their other quarterback took a beating. And the thought was over the final four games in November, he was going to play. And then all of a sudden he left. He left. Gotcha. The, he left gotcha. Clemson 
with the he didn't leave with the team. He like flew home with his family, mm-hmm. and then that's when he went in the portal. So I don't know what happened that deal against Clemson, but he he up and basically left the program at that point. The connection there is Whipple. Yeah. Whipple recruited Purdy at Pitt, and you know they're both Arizona guys. Um, in fact, the in-home visit for Pitt and Chubba Purdy happened within 24 hours of when Scott Frost interviewed Mark Whipple in, in Scottsdale for the job. Um, and, you know, Pitt wanted Purdy to go there. So, you know, that that that's, I think, one common thing right here in, in all of this. But the question is, if they were to try to maybe take two, mm-hmm. who is that older seasoned guy that they're going to go out and get? And you just got to wonder what that pool of players would be if they take two transfers. Because normally, especially at the quarterback position, guys aren't transferring to become a backup or have a slight chance to compete for a job. You know, a lot of quarterbacks want to come into a situation where they're going to start from day one as the front runner, if not be guaranteed outright a starting job. So, you know, what does that do to the pool of transfer quarterbacks that's out there right now if they decide to go the two transfer route, which, I mean, I think given their current quarterback situation, that would not be the worst plan just to get a little bit more veteran experience in that room. Uh, especially if you get a guy like, like Chubba, uh, you know, there's, there's just not a lot of game snaps in, in that group that, uh, if Chubba isn't what you thought he would be, uh, having somebody else with just a little bit more proven track record at the college level would have some value. But again, what, what is the options there with that type of player that's going to come in uh, with by no means being guaranteed a starting job. Well, I, I think Chuba, you would hope is okay with waiting and developing and knowing the situation here and Mark Whipple. I mean, I think the Whipple thing there is what what's made this happen. Um, but with the other veteran guy, yeah, you've got to find and is that guy they want not in the portal yet. I mean, I think there's. Yep. Some other things there that we don't know, and Casey Thompson's kind of been the flavor of, of the week from Texas. Um, I can tell you he's on the list, but he's not by any means the number one guy. I, I think they've got kind of a plan, and he might be in the conversation, um, but I don't believe Casey Thompson is Nebraska's number one choice. Um, and, you know, I hear something else. A lot of people are like, well, what about Logan Smothers? Isn't Logan Smothers going to get mad and leave? Where would he go? I mean, you see the transfer portal data right now. Nine nine hundred dudes have gone on the portal since mm-hmm. August, and only like twenty eight percent have landed somewhere. So, you know, Logan Smothers wants to compete. He understands he's at Nebraska. He's going to have to compete for a starting job. There's not another school out there that'd be like, "We're going to bring you in to be the starter." Like mm-hmm. he's got to prove it more than one game. Well, especially you look at the options we're talking about right now. Like how many of those guys, whether it be Chubba Purdy or um, you know Casey Thompson or Cameron Ward or any of those guys, like how many of those guys are just bona fide? You know, we're handing you the keys to the car, sight unseen, uh, starting in the spring. Like that, I, I don't think any of those guys fit that bill. Like there's guys that have, you know, maybe perceived high ceilings, but you know, I don't know if anyone carries that type of clout that, you know, they're going to come into a situation and Logan Smothers is automatically ruled out from the starting job. I mean, no, he, they're going to get reps. And, I mean, and he's, Mark, he's been in the program two years and, you know, worked under Scott Frost. There's at least some level of familiarity and some level of trust there that, you know, he's going to have an advantage over. And so, you know, I, 
it would be a pretty clean slate. Whereas somewhere else, you know, you're starting from scratch, which, you know, might even put you further behind the eight ball. You're listening here to the Husker online show. As we kind of wrap this discussion up, Robin, I, I want to transition to just COVID and bowl games briefly here because it, it has been, you know, I, I think we're like, all right, COVID's gone. I mean, I, I think we were going through spring football last year with outdoor interviews in April and we're like, this is great. We're back. And, you know, obviously the masks were still required at the at, at media events in Lincoln, Lancaster County. The mask mandate's now gone here on December 23rd. Um, but here we are with big bowl games being canceled, you know, 24 hours or less before kickoff, college basketball. You know, is this the last wave of this or <laughs> – it's going to be like an every year thing now. I mean, that's the scary part. Yeah. And I, I think the biggest issue is teams are operating under 2020 COVID policies with in a 2021-22 uh, world of COVID to where it's it's there's different circumstances going on and the, the policies right now are outdated. And just this week, I agree. you've seen some massive shifts in COVID protocols. Five starting, days versus 10. Yeah, starting with the NFL. They were the first league because they knew that they had a lot of money on the line uh, if their playoffs start getting messed with due to teams having to sit down or shut down or whatever. Uh, and so they changed and did the, the five-day sit-out um, and then only testing symptomatic players and stuff like that. The NBA followed suit. Um, you know, John Calipari at Kentucky, uh, he announced this week that 100% of his program was fully vaccinated with boosters and going forward, they were only going to test symptomatic cases. And so, I mean, that's, that's a pretty good way to at least try to control your situation. But here's the problem when it comes to the college level is there, unlike the NBA, unlike there's no commission, there's, there's no single umbrella policy that everybody's going to follow every conference, every school, every local DHM, is completely different. And so what Kentucky does, they can't control what, you know, Vanderbilt does. And like what Nebraska does, they can't control what Northwestern or Rutgers, they, what they do. Uh, it's it's every school's kind of fending for themselves right now. And so it's one of those deals where you can only control so much. There are so many other outside variables that are going to continue to disrupt this season to where, you know, on the radio uh, Tuesday night, Fred Hoiberg is like, you know, it's, it's inevitable that games are going to get postponed in the Big Ten this season because everybody's doing something different. And I don't know how you change that. I don't know if you ever will change that uh, because the NCAA has no well, overall governing authority to tell individual schools what to do. Right and then now. your local government and policies start coming into play. Exactly. I, I use Wisconsin football as an example last exactly. year. They essentially – Sought a reason in, in some ways to shut down last year. Yep. Paul Chris tested negative on an antigen test, negative, and he was fine. Then all of a sudden, they did the more thorough PCR on the whole roster, and they they dug up a bunch more positives that way. So that's the thing you could find positive cases, which is why Cal Perry is like, you know what, we're not going to do yeah, random I mean, testing. We're only going to test you if you have the flu and are showing all of the the real symptoms of being sick with COVID, because otherwise. The majority of the positive cases with this Omicron virus are, are asymptomatic. And so that, uh, you know, if you want to continue to operate where a positive test means you sit out X amount of days, you're going to have a really hard time finishing a sports schedule. But if you adjust to with the new, the modern wave and and what this particular strand uh, variant is, uh, then I think you're going to have a much better chance of, of actually playing sports. Well, and if we're testing non-symptomatic people 
you know, is that is that a waste of re- isn't that a waste of resources? Like, aren't there people that truly need those tests right now? So, yeah, it, it is this interesting because I, I do think you you can find positives anywhere you want to. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you just test people, there's going to be maybe just non symptomatic people that test positive because of how this virus works. Well, and everywhere is going to be different. I mean, the SEC is going to have a totally different viewpoint than the Ivy League. You know, that's just just how it is. That's how our country is. Yeah, the Ivy League is um, gone full remote already. Yes. Rutgers just went full remote for their uh, uh, media. So all their stuff's over Zoom. Um, who was it? Kansas State was the same way. Uh, they, they're they doing all remote uh, interviews as well. So, I mean, like, everybody's doing something different. And that's, that's what is the biggest hurdle, in my opinion, as far as the college sports season finishing out this year, is trying to find a way to have everybody stay at least somewhat on the same track in uh, a very difficult course to navigate. All right. When we come back, Robin, um, as you know, I was in Ireland a few weeks ago, brought back some great content. We're going to start running um, a countdown to Dublin series for the 2022 Air Lingus Classic featuring Nebraska and Northwestern. Made a pit stop at the Jameson plant. Of course. And I will tell you, if you're making this trip, this was a very cool experience. And you know, there's a lot of different things you can book and do. Um, I'm going to bring in an expert that we dealt with uh, from Jameson next as we continue this Husker Online show. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. You're listening to HuskerOnline.com, your authority on Nebraska athletics. And welcome back here to the Husker Online show. Sean Callahan, as I said, we're going to bring some snippets from our trip to Ireland and had a great opportunity to check out the Jameson Distillery here in Dublin while we were out here um, to get ready for the upcoming trip. And pleased to be joined here on the Husker Online show by Aaron Grant. You are a brand ambassador for Jameson. How do you get that job, by the way? I think you have to have a lot of personality <laughs> and you have to love whiskey, of course. That goes out saying, but um, you're delivering tours to people every day and you have to have that kind of excitement for what you're, what you're doing. Um, yeah, I love the whiskey industry. So We had talk more about Jameson because obviously you have a, a great passion for it. Yeah. But when you think of Ireland, you think of Jameson and, and, and the history of it. And gorgeous just, green bottle. <laughs> just walking around here, you just feel the history uh, of Jameson. Yeah, I suppose for a lot of us here in Ireland, like Jameson is home. Like there used to be a, hundreds of distilleries in the country, but it came to a point where Jameson was one of the last three in the country. So Jemison is something that has stayed in our history for such a long time. Like this distillery was made in 1780. So like you're going back centuries. So it comes with a lot of pride. And yeah, I think we're just, we're very passionate about the fact that it's ours. Jemison's ours. And we love sharing it with everyone around the world who also loves it. Well, and there's so many different kinds of Jemison. I, I think yeah. a lot of people just think, oh, there's just the one. But I mean, how many different types of Jemison do you guys sell um, commercially? Oh, we have a lot. Like we have... Our Jemison Original, Jemison Black Barrel. Black Barrel is like the second best selling to Jemison Original at the moment, especially in the States. Um, it has more of what we'd say a bourbon influence, and you guys love your bourbon. So Black Barrel's doing really well. We have Crested. We have whiskey that's finished in uh, beer barrels, the IPA edition. 
stout edition there's a lot there's a lot what um how do you drink your jameson do you just drink it straight i drink black barrel meat black barrel is my favorite it tastes like butterscotch (laughs) (laughs) well there's going to be a lot of nebraska fans coming out here um and i'm getting kind of a sneak peek so i can try to bring back information for all these people coming out here in august what would you recommend i mean to get in here and 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 take advantage of it how much time should some of our listeners plan if they're going to come into the jameson distillery I think, um, obviously, like the Bow Street experience is our flagship experience. Like, that's your blueprint. But for people who have more of a fascination into whiskey, like we have our private tastings. We also have our blenders. That's a blending class for Black Barrel. Um, cocktail making then for people who aren't so much fascinated by whiskey but love their drinks and love a good vibe. Um, as Again, like, it's the hosts that make the experiences here, the people who work here. That's really where the fun is. Like, the whiskey is 99, like 90% of it, but... Um, the people here are everything with it as well, you know. As far as scheduling tours, I mean, can you get online? Um, can you? How, what's the proper process for somebody that wants to kind of get a date and a time locked in for August? Yeah, jemisonwhiskey.com. Go straight on to jemisonwhiskey.com and book your experiences in advance just to ensure that you do get to get in here. Um, the environment that's going to be created when all you guys are over is going to be phenomenal and something that you're not going to want to miss out on. And right now, um, and things can change, but groups of eight would be the, the number right now for the max size. So for our tours, we're doing 15 at the moment. Now it was 20 there last week, but obviously, you know, things are changing by the minute with our COVID restrictions and stuff. But by then, hopefully we're back up to, um, you know, full capacity from 20 to 30 people, hopefully. And you get lots of samples, I assume, right? Of course you do. <laughs> on the Boated Experience, you're getting your three neat whiskeys. We actually have an American whiskey that features on that one um i'm not sure if that will be the same next year but there's always whiskey in every experience guys well aaron um this has been great we really appreciate the hospitality uh, you taking time to to show us around and give yeah. us a sneak peek because there's going to be a lot of people wearing red and they're going to be nebraska fans here in august all right well much more to come you're listening here to the Huskar line show thank you guys bye when you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You're listening to HuskerOnline.com, your authority on Nebraska athletics. And we're back here on the Husker Online Show. Thanks again to Aaron Grant from Jameson. What'd you think of that, Robin? That was awesome. It made, it made me thirsty. I'm not going to lie. I might, might have to dabble in a little Jameson. So if you enjoyed that interview with Aaron Grant from Jameson um, and you're making the trip out to Ireland, get on Jameson's website. You can actually start scheduling and, and you know picking out experiences. Um, it's not just a tour. You, you can do cocktail making classes um you could do a bunch of fun things there we're gonna go right we are gonna do a lot <laughs> <laughs> all right just making sure i mean because you got to go i i have not gone yet so you'll have to we bear bear with me while while i get to experience jameson firsthand and then they have a, a bar at the end of the tour where you know you, mm-hmm. you make a cock you, they have a list of just different jameson drinks mm. um, but you, you can do a cocktail making class you can do a um, whiskey tasting class. I mean, there's a lot, a lot of fun things that we're gonna have fun doing. Yeah, I think that'll be one of many things. So check it out. Let's bring in Abby Barmore. Um, 
fresh off the the newly minted graduated Abby Barmore. I think we talked about that last week, but she's now in the world official. But what do you in got the in the world. what officially an adult? What do you got in the mailbag? Which position is the biggest question mark for you this spring? Man, I mean, qu- quarterback is an obvious one, yeah. but I'm really no brainer. The, the secondary, mm-hmm. Cam Taylor Britt, Markel Desmuke, mm-hmm. Deontay Williams, right there. I mean, wh- what's that going to look like for Nebraska in the secondary? Is it Noah Paul Gates? Is it Isaac Gifford? You know, Miles Farmer, Quentin Newsom. I mean, can that group? you know, get to where they need to be. Yeah, when Quentin Newsom is suddenly your uh, most experienced veteran player back there, that's quite the change uh, from the past couple of years. So, yeah, I mean, there's a, there's a lot of questions back there, which is why, you know, during going into this offseason, I I'd thought that the defensive backfield, particularly safety, would be a primary portal uh, target position to where maybe they could add a little bit more veteran experience back there just to give themselves – a little bit more proven depth because you know there's I think they like the potential of that group that they have on the roster right now I mean obviously Miles Farmer came a long way last year but after that uh, there's really not a lot uh, you know Noah Pola Gates has yet to really get much game experience uh, at all at safety and then you know Isaac Gifford kind of got thrown into it uh, a little bit at the end of last year so where is he in his development so I'm still curious to see if that's a potential portal spot to try to bolster that group a little bit more. So after quarterback, yeah, I agree. That That's probably right up there as, as number two for me. What do you see as the biggest differences between Rayola and Austin? Um, I think the biggest difference will be the style they preach. Rayola, um, Austin had more of what I would call an NFL zone, you know, kind of get in front of people style, where I think Rayola and Frost want to transition more into – you know, get up there and just knock the living crap out of people style, mm-hmm. you know, force the issue. And I, I think we all would agree the last four years, we, we just haven't seen that physical. And Nebraska has big, strong guys on this line, and mm-hmm. we haven't seen them play like that. And I think that's what Frost wants to transform this line into is like, look, we got big dudes at Nebraska. Let's let's use that muscle and blow people off the ball to me it always looked like nebraska was blocking to spots on the field they weren't blocking the opponent in front of them and moving the defender backwards you know they were trying to go to the spot they were supposed to go to create the lane and it didn't work and so that i think that's probably the biggest difference is you know with riola his whole thing is about attacking and getting after uh, the your, the guy in front of you and and moving him backward, moving the line of scrimmage forward. Uh, so maybe that's the biggest difference schematically. But you want to know the biggest difference? Just go watch uh, Greg Austin's press conference and watch Donovan Raiola's <laughs> press conference. Donovan Raiola is a man of very few words, and he is all business. Whereas Greg Austin, he created a real kind of family environment in that room. Not to say Donovan won't, but... You know, I think that there's going to be a level of expectation and a standard, that's that's his key word, uh, that is going to be established from day one when they take the practice field and even start going into meetings. Does Henrich Harburg have a more of an Heinrich. upside? Heinrich. Heinrich. Heinrich Harburg. It's almost as bad as one of our <laughs> former interns saying Barrett Rudd. Barrett Rudd. <laughs> well, at least I got that one down. <laughs> Does Heinrich Harburg... Have a lot more upside than Logan Smothers at quarterback. And what does Nebraska have in Harburg? I, I do think so. I mean, I, I really think Harburg, at his size and his arm strength. Yeah, from a physical tool standpoint, I agree. I mean, this is a guy that was a six-seven high jumper 
as a sophomore in high school, and he ran like an 11-1. Um, he was going to be a 10-800 guy, so you know he might be a step slower than Smothers, but he's he can a, still run. He's a good four or five inches taller, and he probably weighs 40 pounds more. Yeah, and I mean, just eyeball test. I mean, he he looks like a Big Ten quarterback. I mean, he's like if you were like to create a, a player, like he he looks every bit of what you would want in a quarterback. But the issue is, I mean, he is about as inexperienced as it could possibly get. I mean, he played at a low level in in Nebraska, so his level of competition coming up was limited. I would have liked to have least. seen him play. Like they played Matt Masker, I think thirteen snaps. Mm-hmm. I mean, I get why they did that, but it would have been nice to get him at least one game of action. And so right now we're basing all of this off a, a spring game and a couple of spring practices that we saw. Uh, so. Yes, he looks the part, but can he play the part? Mentally, can he be a Big Ten quarterback and comprehend all that comes into running a sophisticated offense? And so that's that's where I'm kind of holding back on like saying that he's the, the future of the position because I think he's got all the tools, but does he have it between the ears to translate that onto the field? How is Teddy Petroska's rehab going, and will he be ready for spring ball? And along with that, could Teddy and Henry Lutovsky be Nebraska's tackles next year? Yeah, Teddy Prohaska will not go through spring ball. Um, you know, he should be fully cleared by May or June. Um, you know, and I think he's in a great position um, to start. I, I think there's probably three guys that I think factor in already as starters. Ted, Turner Corcoran, Teddy Prohaska, and um, Nuri Noeli. Mm-hmm. Um, Nuridin Noeli. And with... Corcoran it's he's rejecting him as a starter but not maybe necessarily like surefire left tackle maybe right tackle what about this thought center I don't I don't know I mean you know I think there's options with him the stat that the the two stats you can't deny is Nebraska's two tackles last year led power five and pressures allowed Mm. um Turner Corcoran allowed 60 quarterback pressures that was the most allowed by any NF or college football offensive lineman for 120 some teams that's insane and the next lowest power five guy was ben hart so whatever they were doing it didn't work last year mm-hmm. i mean it just didn't i mean that that just didn't get it done like the the, the pass blocking so they've got to figure out what they want to do uh Lutoski could factor in though i know they like him i i think he could really rise quickly i think he's going to definitely put his name in the com- conversation this spring i think when healthy teddy has all the makings of what they want. I mean, he, he there's a reason that he jumped in right away as a true freshman last year and played snaps. And he looked tackle. good. Yeah, and he, and he played Dude, well. He, he was an upgrade over what they had. Against Aiden Hutchinson, like he neutralized him in the first half. I know. I mean, and he so really did. His ceiling is through the roof, and so you just got to hope that he recovers as expected off that knee and is ready to go for fall camp. All right, Abby, what's next? What is your favorite Bo Pelini and Sean Icor story? <laughs> <laughs> there's some good ones in the chat. Um, Man. I love that one you put on the chat about the, after the Gator Bowl. Oh, yeah, the Gator Bowl, you know, in 2014, Nebraska beat Georgia. Think about that now. Nebraska beat Georgia in a bowl game. And we were talking about firing the coach maybe at that point. I mean, just different times that we were in. Um, but they kind of had kind of a la- – Georgia could not score in the red zone. They, I think they had like six field goals or five field goals in the red zone that game. And Nebraska kind of walked off and won. I mean, it was an ugly win, but they beat Georgia. And I remember, like, standing down the sidelines, and you had Sean Eichhorst and kind of one of his people with him. And, you know, instead of, like, going out and celebrating Nebraska just beating Georgia, he just, like, stormed off the field and, like, was like, yeah, out of here. 
And, you know, you just kind of knew it was never going to work. I mean, when when you just beat Georgia and your athletic director wasn't even smiling about mm-hmm. it, that just kind of told you where this, that was yeah, all it just going. showed how fractured everything was there, where even when things were successful, it was like, uh, you know, people like – guys like i just were so – hellbent on what they wanted the program to be that they couldn't even enjoy a, a success like that which you look at it now like <laughs> beating georgia in a bowl game right now they can't even fathom that all right what do you got final question here abby barmore what bowl game are you most excited for oh man i mean I, the we'll orange see bowl. which one gets played the, <laughs> i think the orange bowl with michigan and georgia is probably clearly my number one um, because I really do think Michigan's got a chance. Um, I, I think that they have an offense that can produce on Georgia, and I question Georgia's offensive ability in this game. And so that's the one for me. And, you know, if Georgia gets beat by Michigan, you know, it's kind of more salt in the wound about Nebraska's season because mm-hmm. they had the lead in the fourth quarter. They had the ball in a tie game in the fourth quarter to beat Georgia or to beat Michigan. And so that's the one for me. Yeah, and you know if uh, you know Michigan can knock out another SEC team, uh, I think as we speak, what what SEC is like zero and four, zero and four as a taping time on Wednesday. Yeah, so as of Wednesday afternoon, so uh, you know I'm sure that's because those four teams didn't really want to play in those bowls anyway. So you know we'll, we'll fit the narrative, but uh, you cannot make that argument that Georgia does not want to be in the college football playoffs. So if they can win that one. Uh, the fine bombs of the world are going to have a real tough time defending that lead. All right. Well, Abby, thank you very much. Uh, hope you have a happy new year. Thank you. All right. Well, much more to come. We'll close the show with some basketball talk with Robin. You're listening here to the Husker Online Show. You're listening to HuskerOnline.com, your authority on Nebraska athletics. Final segment here of the Husker Online Show. Sean Callahan, Robin Washett, as um, Nebraska basketball has been on a break since Christmas. They'll get back in action, at least we hope and think, Robin, on Sunday. That's a night game, right, Ohio State? Uh, yes, I believe so. A lovely Big Ten Sunday night game. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> just just with the doctor. But, you know, Nebraska hasn't played since December 22nd. Yeah, that's a 7 p.m. tip on BTN. Well, and anyway. it's, it's hard and, for and, – And Ohio State hasn't played since December 15th. Uh, they were supposed to play – on Tuesday, uh, but you know they've been on that COVID shutdown and had to extend it by another game, uh, so they've been off for you know, <laughs> almost uh, an entire month uh, since the last time they actually played a live competition. Well, on January one this year falls on a Saturday, which really hurts the basketball schedule. For no one's going to be playing Power Five or Power Six league basketball games, uh, you know, against the college football on the first. Yeah, so I mean, it it is what it is. Like it's it's not that that bad of a window from a tv standpoint um you know because people it's a sunday night people are looking for something to watch but uh you know from a fan perspective it it is what it is but you know it's one of those deals where you know both teams just are are ready to get back out on the court especially after such substantial layoffs all right i i kind of hinted on this in a chat I was, i'm curious what does the kim palm say on nebraska they have 18 games left now they play 20 is it 20 or 22 league games uh they play 20 so they have 18 league games yes. left what is the Ken Palm projected wins on these 18 games? Uh, they have Nebraska going. <laughs> they have them winning. They have them losing out right now as I look at it. So their closest chance at a win is. All right. Well, here's here's the weird thing. They have. Yeah. Okay. So, yeah, the, their closest one they have is Rutgers on January 29th at home. 
They have that as a 70 to 69 loss with a 49% chance at victory. After that, the next highest would be Minnesota at home on February 9th. Uh, that's a 42%. Minnesota's th- good. A lot better. People thought they were going to be the worst team in maybe Power 5, and here they are, uh, one of the better teams. I think they're 70th in the Ken, Ken Palm Patino, ratings right okay, now. Okay, I'm way out of Patino's. Yes. No, he's at New Mexico. He, ben Johnson, former Nebraska assistant under Tim Miles, Ben Johnson. Uh, Minneapolis superstar. I played at De La Salle High School up there and played at Minnesota uh, as a transfer. So, you know, he was kind of the their version of, of Scott Frost coming home uh, and – He's off to a, a very good start so far, much better than anyone expected. But after that, those are the only two games that Ken Palm currently gives Nebraska above a 40%, even above a 35% chance of winning. So, so odds, you're aren't, saying odds a aren't great. But here's the deal. They, they still, so here's where Ken Palm's kind of flawed with these projections. So you look at like the, the schedule game by game, they have them losing out. But the projected record is 10 and 21. So that means they're still going to get uh, a handful of games and four more wins uh, at some yeah, point. Yeah, so, I mean, they'll get wins because they'll get hot against somebody. But Yeah, their, their, their projected record is 10-21 and 21 overall, 4-16 and 16 in league. I mean, it leads you to the next elephant in the room, Rob. And um, we know how Trev Alberts handled things with Scott Frost in football this year. I mean, you think there's going to be some thoughts and discussions about basketball. I mean, are you, are you worried about when you see Ken Palm – computer poll saying Nebraska's going to go 0 and 18 yeah um I mean it, it just makes you really wonder about where this is all heading this well, year I mean, if you have three straight single digit win totals that's that's hard to defend and I know that year one they just basically uh wiped the slate clean and brought in a bunch of mercenaries to just try to get through do their Iowa State sit out plan with Derek Walker Delano Band Shmuel Stevenson Clearly, that didn't work out the way that they wanted. Then they had the COVID year that was a total disaster last season. And then this season uh, has been far worse than anyone in that program would have expected. So, uh, you know, when is this thing actually going to start progressing, especially when when this was the year that you were supposed to take a substantial step forward? Fred Hoiberg said it himself that he was embracing the pressure that came with this season and here we are, you know, entering 2022 and they're sub 500. Well, and they had a bunch of the national media guys really bought into what was and, happening. Andy Katz had him as a preseason uh, NCAA tournament bracket 10 seed. Uh, the Rostings. I mean, they, they had a lot of my, guys. My poll that I did before the season, I, I interviewed some, or I polled a basketball writer from every team, every school in, in, the, in the Big Ten Conference and just asked them where they projected Nebraska. And almost all of them had them around 10th or 11th. And so, I mean, it wasn't like they had him, you know, pushing to be a, a top four seed, but maybe a step up. Yeah, but to be on the basically, if you're tenth in the league, you were in bubble territory for the NCAA tournament, given what the Big Ten normally is year in year out. Well, clearly, what we've seen from Nebraska so far, they are hardly even more close to that, and have a lot of work to do to even get into that territory where they're not playing uh, once again in that uh, you know fourteen. 12 game in the, in the Big Ten tournament. All right, what do we know about 11. Trey McGowan's and his injury? I mean, we're now getting into January. Um, what's your best guess? How many more games do you think Trey's going to miss? And when he does come back, is he going to have to be kind of on a, a get himself back to you know health plan? Yeah, I mean, conditioning is going to be an issue. Uh, so once he is finally cleared to return to action, uh, with the way that he plays, uh, there's going to be a, an adjustment there just – getting back into game shape. It's one thing to be 
you know, get your that foot healed and uh, you know get ready to play. But just the 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 toll physically of of playing a forty minute basketball game that's that's going to be an adjustment in its own right. So yeah, his his minutes will probably be a little bit different than the you know thirty to thirty five that he would normally play uh, pre injury. But uh, it sounds like mid January is the target date. I know he had some early ambitions of maybe getting back for that Michigan State game um, in East Lansing on January 5th. That might have been a little uh, overeager. So I think they're going to be a little more cautious with him, and they're aiming for maybe more the range of um, the Purdue game on January 14th or the uh, Indiana game on January 17th or the Ohio State game on January 22nd. I think somewhere in that three-game window is probably going to be the ideal return date but again, you know, it's not like he's going to jump in and be same old Trey. I mean, there's going to be a little bit of acclimation there that just comes to getting him back into into game shape, especially, again, with the way that he plays with Max and, effort. you know, with his way as a leader, do you think he they have to put him as a starter right away, or do you think he's going to come off the bench? I would assume he'll jump back into being a starter just because he he does carry such an important role. That's, that's kind of my thought, With too. his leadership. I mean, that... Clearly, Nebraska has struggled uh, with not having that on-floor leadership that he provided. And so um, he's their best defender uh, on, on the perimeter. He's one of the best perimeter defenders in the conference. And so, I mean, he brings a lot to the table that Nebraska's really struggling since he's been off the off the table. So I, I would assume if he's in good enough shape, he's going to jump right back into the starting lineup because he is such an important part on and off the court. All right, so other than Minnesota, who's the other biggest surprise in the Big Ten right now? Mm, I mean, Northwestern, I mean, they're 40th right now in Ken Palm, um, you know, maybe conversely Rutgers being as bad as they are, they're, they're 100th. Uh, they did lose a lot to the transfer portal, but you know, they had that really breakout season last year and, you know, we're on the cusp of you know having uh, one of their best seasons in a long time. And for them to revert back so quickly, that's, that's kind of been notable, um, yeah, I'd, I'd probably put those two. Who's the disappointment of the league right now? Yeah, I'd put Rutgers up I mean, there. Nebraska's obviously. Maybe. Yeah, I Nebraska mean. definitely. You know, Maryland, they've kind of been a disaster. I mean, they're still 54th in the Ken Palm What's, ratings. So but, Mark you know, Turnjian, he's like, gone. Is he going to try to get back into it? Uh, probably take a year off. And, you know, I mean. Is he a guy that, you know, Nebraska. Could, his dad lives in Firethorn. So, uh, that's a, you know, he's got connections here. So that, that he's been brought up in the last few coaching searches that Nebraska's had and you know he makes a lot of sense but again I, I think he's a guy that probably needs to just like take a break because the reason he quit was because he was just getting worn down constantly by that Maryland fan base they just hated him and even though that <laughs> his track record was really good when, won you, the like, Big took Ten. A, when you took a step back and looked at it I mean but that's kind of the the difference between a, a fan base that expects Maryland to be in Final Fours and play for championships. Maryland never got there under Mark Turgeon, despite all the regular season success and um, early round NCAA tournament success. You know they they expected more, and they made sure that they he heard about it at every step to the point where he's like, you know what, I'm done. Yeah, it will be interesting. Lots to chew on as we're going to have a lot of discussions about Nebraska basketball. Yeah, there's one more notable development that came out. Uh, Denim Dawson, the 2022 signee from California, he is officially on campus, enrolled uh, in the university, and practicing with the team, and will be here for the for the whole spring. He's not going to play. He's going to redshirt, but he's going to have a you know few month head start to adjust to the college level that should make him ready to make an immediate impact next season. All right. Well, much more to come. Hopefully, everybody has a happy and wonderful new year. 
We'll see you on the other side. Thanks again for joining us this week on Husker Online, your authority on Nebraska athletics.